What's going on, family? Welcome to the second episode of the Jewels and Journalism podcast. I am your host, the main man with the game plan, the ratchet revolutionary, the short sultan of sarcasm, Mr. Sincere King himself. And I thank you so much for tuning in and giving me your ear for a brief moment to vent, discuss, or clown on the events and issues of today. And there's a lot to clown about. But today, I'm going to be going over uh, Centoria Brown and her being granted clemency. Also, the year of return commemoration initiated by the president of Ghana. What exactly is that? Uh, do you plan on going? Do you plan on get, becoming a resident? So forth and so on. Just some questions I have for you guys. I'll also be giving you my thoughts on all of that. And of course, the jewel of the day. Stay here and we on it. One time for the one time. My review of Kevin Hart's new movie, The Upside. Okay, here, here's what I think. In this movie, Kevin plays Daryl Scott, a down-on-his-luck ex-con who's trying to make his way without going back to the very ways that carried him into prison in the first place. He does this on happenstance by mistakenly applying for a job of a life auxiliary when he thought he was applying for a janitor's position. Anyway, a few things I liked about the movie is that it did not particularly harp on what Kevin's character did to end up in prison in the first place, nor did it show a constant pull and tug of the streets he formerly roamed. In fact, the character consistently reminds anyone who may bring up his prior life that it was his past, one that he's trying to move forward from. What also made this a good movie to me is that Kevin Hart is finally doing something different. I mean, we we getting sick of seeing him basically play the same roles uh, in, in all of his movies. You know, to the point of which is he, he's either the butt of the joke where, where his character is some type of bumbling idiot who makes a lot of faces and screams when he talks or either he's dishing out the jokes of which two thirds are either not funny or predictable. Anyway, uh, the movie is very good. It's great. Kevin did a wonderful job at really having to act. The storyline was engaging and you felt it on different emotional levels throughout. Kevin, if you listening, good job, brother. And keep switching it up like this and display your abilities outside of being a fool in all your movies. Anyway, for this movie, I gave it four out of five jewels. Like I said, it was a good movie with real depth. And it was refreshing to see K-Hart outside of a joking role. One time for the one time. Hey, what's up, family? This your boy, Sincere. Ladies, you want to keep that hair fresh to death? Then come visit the ice cream shop with me. The ice cream shop is an online shop where you can get 100% pure, high-quality virgin hair for awesome prices. Whether you're looking for a nice, kinky, curly look, a deep wave, or even just some Senegalese twists, they have the selection for you. So go to www.theicecreamshop.net and get yours today. That's www dot the ice cream shop dot net and let them know sincere sent you the ice cream shop looks as good as ice cream tastes now if you haven't been paying attention to the news this week then you may have missed the fact that Centoria Brown was granted clemency from what was a life sentence 
by the governor of Tennessee and has been given an August release date and will be paroled until the year 2025, I believe. This is great news, but I don't necessarily know if this is justice. Now, if you don't know the story, Brown, who is now a 30-year-old woman, was being trafficked for sex since she was 14 and bought for sex at age 16 by a real estate agent whom she admittedly killed and took his money afterwards because she didn't want to return to her pimp empty-handed. The story is tragic. Alone and on the streets at age 14, trafficked to a grown man at age 16, kills that man, is tried as an adult, and as a result is sentenced to life in prison. Life in prison at the age of 16. Had she not been granted this clemency, she would have not even been eligible for parole until the age of 67. Now understand, clemency is not a pardon. A pardon completely wipes away the crime for the offender as if it never happened. Clemency is only leniency in the punishment of the crime, but remains on your record as a conviction. Now, Ms. Brown, as I said, is now a 30-year-old woman who will have spent a total of 15 years in prison by the time she's released in August. Which, side note, here's a real question. Why is clemency granted last week, but she can't get out of prison until August? That's a real question. Somebody going to school to be a lawyer or somebody who's been locked up and knows just as much about the law as a lawyer, hit me up and explain that to me because I don't get it. Anyway, back to what I was saying. How does a child who committed a crime, murder, yes, get life in prison? A child whose circumstances are obviously extraordinary due to the life imposed on her upon up until the time when she felt intimidated enough by a grown adult male, don't forget, to have to feel like she had no other option but to take his life. How do we not first see that she also is a victim and that because of her victimization, if that's a real word, had to act in a way that caused her to commit a crime to be freed from that victimization? If a child can suffer from affluenza and walk away scot-free from any responsibility because having too much money made him ignorant of his deed and its consequences, then what can we say a child suffers from having been in the environment of young black girls and boys all over America, suffering through conditions that in some cases leave them no options other than the most hideous one? Povertenza? Look, my point is this. Miss Brown's case should have been handled completely different from the onset. Anyone who was a victim of this unfortunate set of circumstances that brought this case to be, I sympathize with. But realize this, any other victim involved was only a victim once. But Ms. Brown was a victim and is a victim twice over with the life she was forced into and the life she was serving for escaping from it. Tell me, what are your thoughts on this case? I'm, I'm happy that Ms. Brown is going to get to live some semblance of a life and maybe enjoy some of the pleasures that life has to offer. And at age 30, she's still young enough to enjoy plenty of those pleasures and get on with living life instead of serving it. But I'd like to know your thoughts. Again, hit me up. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Dropping Jews. You already know how to spell it. One time for the one time. And let's move on. Now this, the year of our Lord, 2019, marks 400 years since the first slaves were brought here in chains on cargo ships heading to and docking on American soil. In those 400 years, people of African descent, not just here in the continental United States, but also in the Caribbean islands and much of South America, 
whose ancestors suffered through horrific acts of torture and murder by hanging and not even being seen as human beings are those who are a part of the diaspora that can trace their place of origin back to the continent of Africa. Ghana's president, and if His Excellency is listening, I apologize in advance for what I'm about to do to your name. I am ashamed. His Excellency, Nana Ado Danquo Akufu Ado, has commemorated this year as a year of return for those descendants in the Americas. Listen. The year of return, Ghana 2019, is the only centrally organized public-private partnership and the first by an African country to commemorate 400 years of the arrival of the first enslaved African to the United States. This has me absolutely fascinated, excited and upset all at the same time. And let me tell you, if it wasn't for the fact that my wife is not down with making anywhere other than where we are, our main living hub, I would have been on the flight headed to Ghana January 1st. But what is the significance of this commemoration of this right of return? The significance is going to vary according to each person. You know, we live in a time where a lot of us are doing these DNA tests and we're finding out where we come from. And for those of us who are truly a part of the diaspora, you will find that the large majority of uh, descendants of slaves who were shipped here from Africa come from uh, the, the Ghana area, from the west coast of Africa. We, we should all at least uh, know that. But another thing that makes it significant is, the, is what Ghana is offering. Uh, and, and if anybody's seen this... Um, clip of Akon that was going around a few months ago when he was saying that you know black people could come to Africa and build businesses and that they would be fortune 500 companies in five years um, it it kind of makes you wonder was he really telling us the truth now I didn't dispute what he was saying um, when he said it or when I heard it but uh, it just kind of, you know, we kind of let things that we hear like that just kind of go in one ear, you know, and out of the other. Or we may even give it a moment or two uh, of thought and discussion, but we really don't intend to at all act on what it is that we heard. But this is different because this is basically the, the head of the country, as well as the country men and women saying, come home. And they are literally saying, come home. So at the very least, why would we not at least seek out and explore the area, seek out and explore the options and maybe, you know, take advantage of what's being offered to us. Maybe go and build businesses, maybe go and take our, you know, families there. There's a, the largest uh settlement of American expats in the United States, I mean, in Africa, uh, reside in Ghana. They have the most people, the most expats uh, from the United States of America are in Ghana. You know, so it, what, I mean, it, why, why not take advantage of it is what I'm trying to say, right? But, but what does this right of return entail? Well, like I said, uh, at this moment, Ghana has more African-Americans 
living in the country than any other African country. Um, plus, Ghana already has a right of abode immigration law that I think uh, they established in 06 or somewhere around there. You know, and, and, and that law grants freedom to persons with this right to live and to come and go into the country without hindrance. You know, and that's and that's just an immigration law. That's not you getting a uh, Ghanaian passport. It's not you uh, becoming a resident. And just because you become a resident doesn't mean you have to stay there. I want to make sure that I, you know, uh, say that so that people won't think, oh, I'm not trying to become a resident because I don't want to live there. No, you can be a resident of, of one place and live, you know what I'm saying, somewhere else. But it just gives you the kind of freedom to come and go uh, as you please. But they already have an immigration law that kind of grants you uh, that freedom. But what the residency would do was would help people who are also looking to build businesses in the country as well. Um, you would also be granted a Ghanaian passport. Also, um, you would not be giving up your citizenship because there's a difference between residency and citizenship. You would not be giving up your American citizenship that because I, I know that means so much to you guys. Um, but you would just be a resident and be allowed to kind of move around the way that citizens of Ghana uh, do. So anyway, they have that law um, that grants uh, freedom to the persons to come and go without without hindrance. Another factor that kind of played a role in this commemoration by the country is a um, United States uh, congressional resolution, which is H.R. 1242. And it is called the 400 Years African American History Commission, which will also commemorate the anniversary here uh, in the United States. I don't know exactly uh, what their plans are as far as how they plan to kind of celebrate or commemorate the um, contributions of uh, African that Africans Americans have played uh, in this country. But that is the commission that will be leading that charge. Uh, and while that's significant, uh, it, it just doesn't seem to me the extended hand of Ghana, which was called the Slave Coast and accounts for 75 percent of the slave dungeons built on the West Coast of Africa, is a much more significant gesture, in my opinion. Uh, at the ceremony in Washington, D.C., where the announcement was made, again, President Akufo-Addo stated, um, in the year 2019, we opened our arms even wider to welcome home our brothers and sisters and what would become a birthright journey home for the global African family. So even there, he acknowledges all of the African family, not just the African family located in Africa, the global African family. And these words mean something, you know, and so for him to, for one, to initiate this commemoration and then to speak about it the way that he does, it kind of, shows that this is not just some type of politically savvy move but that this is something that the country really is behind and is look for looking forward um to do uh, and this moves me in more than words can explain uh, I've, I've already made plans to arrive in ghana on my birth on my birthday later this year but um i want to know what you guys think uh, of the of the commemoration and uh, even if you knew of it before, or if you did not, or th this is the first time you're hearing about it, let me know what you think, or if you would like to make the trip 
and exercise your right of return. If you would not make the trip, uh, then let me know about that as well. If, if you think that this is just, you know, some uh, foolish folly that uh, we don't really have to involve ourselves uh, with, let me know that uh, as well. Again, you, you guys know where to find me. I'm on um, Instagram and, and uh, Facebook. So hit me on the social media sites. Let me know what you think about this. And then uh, we'll, we'll continue to correspond um, on the next episode. All right, here it is. The jewel of the day. A topic that I spoke on last episode and that I will not speak on again because it's been getting more than its fair share of coverage. And that is the R. Kelly ordeal. This topic has brought out some of the things that are wrong within the black community. Now, I'm a father to a 17-year-old daughter, but even if I wasn't, I would not defend R. Kelly. It's my opinion that he's guilty of what he's being accused of. But not just R. Kelly, but any grown adult male who engages in sexual activity with a minor should be sent to prison and allowed to rot. However, the way that we as a community chose to be ignorant about the misbehavings of our family members, of our celebrities, and our neighbors is absolutely absurd. The same way we allowed a slogan called Stop Snitching to become a real movement in our community is just plain stupid. We are saying amongst ourselves, let's know that people commit self-inflicting crimes against the community in which we reside, where our families are, where our children are, where our grandparents are, and let's not say anything about it. Let's not snitch on Uncle Earl, who we know has been touching our brother or our sister or our nephew or our niece because we don't want him to get locked up. So let's allow him to continue to make askew the life of the child that he's touching. Let's let the child suffer or ask the child to be strong instead of having Uncle Earl locked the F up. But only when someone or some entity outside of our community comes in and points out the wrongdoings do we decide to say something. Only then do we decide to be outraged when we should have been outraged from the jump. Pointing out the wrongdoers in our community while they protect their own. Where was this kind of exposing and outrage when the perpetrator was Harry Weinstein? When the perpetrator was Ben Roethlisberger, Woody Allen, Kevin Spacey, even Peyton Manning? Where were the large media outlets then? Silent or briefing their accusations. Listen, R. Kelly did that. And they ensured he was exposed, exposed, but guess who they got to do the exposing? Us. The very ones who were complicit and silent the whole time, knowing what we did the whole time, saying nothing the whole time, and as a result, we placed no value in the children who became victims twice over. And also, we chose to place no value on the black women who became either voiceless victims or slanderous supporters in this particular case. But as soon as Lifetime comes in and wants to shed a narrow light on R. Kelly instead of a broad light on the system that perpetuates allowing men of power to get away with some of the most devious and dastardly crimes against young boys and girls in the entertainment industry and otherwise, and we were right there to play the fool, to re-victimize these girls and to speak on a situation involving a woman who was no longer here to defend herself or give us her truth, they played us. No. As a matter of fact, we played ourselves. <laughs>